Welcome to the Tin Lounge, where travel advisors Corrine and Teresa read you the travel industry news headlines that are currently unread in your inbox, so you can leave here feeling informed. If you're new around here, Tin stands for Travel Industry News, and on today's full episode, we're going to cover some of the biggest stories from this month. I'm Corrine, co-owner of Journey's Travel Company and creator of Travel Biz Boss. And I'm Teresa, owner of Get Out Custom Travels and creator of Fan With Intention. We've got a lot to cover, but before we get started, we wanted to give a shout out to our podcast network, Trav Market Media. Head on over to travmarketmedia.com to find some other fantastic travel podcasts. What a time to be a travel advisor. <laughs> what a time to be alive, right? Yes. <laughs> so Holy many things moly. happening. So... Let's talk about, or let's start with Europe's reopening. Um, Travel Pulse has this article about this very topic uh, called Europe's reopening. Here's where travel advisors are sending clients. And it seems like the two biggest places are Italy and Greece, followed by Spain. Yep. And this article is super interesting in that um, one of the advisors they interview is quoted with saying, I spend half my time advising our guests that we feel that they are planning too much travel and we want them to tone down their spending a bit, which is weird, right? (laughs) Are we in the bizarro world? (laughs) Yes, I feel like things are like kind of turning upside down a little bit in the way that we do business. Um, I was recently doing a virtual meeting with a BDM for this new TO that I'm looking at and they do mostly like adventure travel, but she was saying how as a company, they have stopped um, offering national parks in Hawaii for the summer. Like if someone was to go to them right now, they would be like, no, we're not doing any more national parks this summer and we're not doing Hawaii anymore for this summer, mainly because of the number of people who are there, the lack of ability, availability, and also the fact that they can't guarantee a quality experience because of those other items. So um, in my head, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I think I will need to start doing that as well, kind of advising my clients like, you know, you can go to Mexico right now and all-inclusive in Cancun if you want to, but this is what you're going to be paying for your experience there. Mm -hmm. And this is what you have to expect. And maybe this is not the best time for you to go to those destinations. Let's explore some other alternatives that maybe you'll get a better experience for your money. But having that conversation with her really opened my eyes to do like, do we need to be advising our clients differently now? Um, it's, 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 it's very interesting to think about. I've begun sort of brainstorming a list of questions to draw upon, like, would you feel that this is a bad investment if these things happen and depending Mm -hmm. on the destination, you know, and then of course, now we've got these mass flight cancellations on the airline that runs with Shmay Shmay and a Shmay (laughs) airlines <laughs> and uh, it's ruining everyone's life. And now I know I'm checking air over and over and over again to make sure it's still intact. So I can get a jump on it. If something happens, 
Um, but I'm just kind of trying to say like, the, the, if you want to travel right now, you have to be flexible about these things. So when we consider the investment you're making, does it seem worth it? Will you be upset with how much you invested for this experience under these circumstances? Um, and most people are actually like, yes, I need to go. I need to get somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I get it. And I would feel the same way too. But as long as you get their mindset where you need to expect a different experience, not a bad experience necessarily, but I am noticing a lot of um, property reviews and things like this. A lot of these places are really taking a beating for things that are outside of their control. So you've got people arriving in places and expecting it to be just like the last time they went there or to another similar place. And it's just not going to be the case right now. Mm -hmm. And that's a bigger conversation when you're talking about Europe, because just the flights are a big investment. So people really have to ask themselves, is this the year that I spend this much on a trip to Europe? And of course, we know we're also seeing people just having the time of their lives because there's no crowds. So maybe things close earlier than usual. Maybe there's certain things that aren't open on certain days. But the trade-off is there's not tons and tons of people. So it just depends on the client, whether that's a pro or a con, you know? Right. And I feel like everything is in flux right now in terms of what is open, what is the availability, and what is the capacity for these places so um, there was another article that's not in my list for this week, but one of the phrases they said, like, go to Venice when the pigeons in San Marco Plaza it still outnumbers the tourists. I love that. Absolutely. And I am piggybacking right off of your article because I thought it might be nice, although I've realized everything could change in five minutes. But there is an article in Travel Weekly that says, where can Americans travel in Europe, a country by country guide. And it gives you sort of a quick overview of what is required. So I wanted to go over some of the more popular places, just so that if someone's listening right now, they have a general idea. Um, I know a website that I use a lot is the Sherpa website. I don't know if you go there. Yes, I love the Sherpa website. Yes. So if, if you just Google Sherpa travel, it'll come up and you can search any country. It's not always down to the minute, though. I think I've seen a couple of times when the rules had just changed and it wasn't quite updated yet, but still pretty solid source. So um, I did want to mention in this article, it says for Austria, there are hints of a mid-June date, but nothing's been confirmed yet. So that's fun to think about being on the horizon. And apparently you'll have to have a proof of vaccination for there. That's what they're saying right now. Croatia, we know, was the first European country or one of them to throw open its doors to vaccinated Americans. So visitors need proof of vaccination, a negative PCR test no older than 72 hours or an, or an antigen test no older than 48 hours or proof of recovery from COVID infection. One thing I'm seeing a huge pattern is people assuming and even travel advisors assuming that vaccination exempts you from testing and you need to be really careful to make sure that's the case because in a lot of cases it's not. 
Denmark open to travelers on June 5th, which is exciting. So again, fully vaccinated, can enter without testing or quarantine requirements, but you have to present proof of vaccination and at least two weeks have to have passed since the final dose. Unvaccinated children traveling with vaccinated adults may also enter, but will need to be tested on arrival depending on their age. Uh, we know France is now open. A vaccination is not required for France right now, but you have to present a negative PCR test of less than 72 hours or the antigen test of less than 48 hours, which antigen test is much easier to access for sure. Um, and then there, the vaccination does exempt you from testing. So it's really all over the place. Greece, of course, officially open to all U.S. tourists. It's hot like fire right now. You have to provide proof of vaccination or a negative PCR test. So they don't have the antigen option in place. Iceland was one of the other first ones to open. If you are vaccinated or can show proof of prior infection, you don't need testing or quarantining. And that's been since April. There are no curfews, but masks are required on public transportation with fines enacted for non-compliance. Italy, another big one, it's you have to present a negative swab test taken within 72 hours prior to entry. I wonder, swab, aren't both of them swabs? I guess we need some clarification on that. And then, of course, Italy is also offering COVID-tested flights from the U.S., which provides some exemptions for vaccinated travelers. They also have some curfews in place. Um, and then Spain was the other popular one. There's many more on here, and this will be linked in the show notes. But for Spain, arrivals must have had two doses of Pfizer or Moderna or one dose of Johnson & Johnson at least 14 days before arrival. Unvaccinated children 6 to 17 need to prevent a excuse me, present a negative COVID-19 test taken within 72 hours of arrival. Children five and younger are exempt and they have a pre-arrival form with a QR code. So I think the point is here, you need to be checking, are vaccinations required? If you have a vaccination, do you still have to test? What type of test is required for vaccinated or unvaccinated? And is there some kind of form and or QR code that needs to be filled out prior. Those are the big ones that you just keep seeing over and over again, that we have these health questionnaires and things like that. But Switzerland is opening, Sweden uh, has opened. We have Malta, Portugal, Ireland will be welcoming tourists soon. <sighs> Makes me so happy. Yeah, I was looking through the list of articles um, and news headlines, and it is so refreshing to see reopening, reopening, borders reopening versus shut down, shut down, shut down. I am all for it. And knowing what the requirements are to get in and to return is going to be so helpful. And also that is why I have increased my fees for my clients, because I'm like, if I have to keep track of all this, that's additional time. Okay. On top of everything else, this is what we're working with here. A lot of new details in addition to, do you need visas, passport, and oh my God, passports. So, yeah. Yeah, the passport nightmare. And I think you are so smart to do that right now. And it would be a very simple explanation. The amount of time that I have to invest in making sure 
that you are constantly apprised of all of the changes. There, there's no logical reason why anyone would think there's something wrong with that. Right. And also, how many clients have you have you heard from where they're like, hey, we want to go somewhere where dot, 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 like these things. And you have to be like, okay, you want to go to the Caribbean? Let me think of these different islands. Let me check these islands, see what they're current travel restrictions are. No, they require quarantine, even if you're vaccinated, blah, 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 whatever it is. A lot more time and research on your end. So get paid for it. And I think you mentioned that you were calling it a coordination fee for some things. And I think that's the perfect term for it Mm -hmm. because we are certainly coordinating some things. (laughs) Aside from just making the plans, there's quite a few other factors to be coordinated now. Exactly. For like custom itineraries, I call I call it a design fee because sure. I'm thinking of it like, you know, an interior designer will come in and design stuff and it's their design fee. Yep. But if it's something for like cruising, AIs, whatever else, it's going to be a coordination fee mm-hmm. because it takes a lot of time and effort. A well-earned coordination fee. Um, one of the countries that's recently opened up is Portugal. And this article from afar... Um, This was just from last week. The title of this article is Portugal Implements Weekend Travel Ban in Lisbon Amid Virus Surge. And I thought this was an interesting article to include because with all these different European countries opening up and everyone is super excited for it, we also have to be ready for situations like this. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of other countries don't have their vaccination rates up and they are still operating with caution. And this is one of those cautionary things where they're going to implement temporary travel restrictions, you know, for this one, like just on the weekends in certain areas where they're seeing spikes. So um, one of the quotes from the first article that I mentioned is, my advice to my valued clients as we look to resume travel is to plan ahead, be adaptable and patient. The sooner you adapt, the sooner you can have a fulfilling travel experience. So if your clients are very adamant about traveling to these places where you know anything could happen, it's best to prepare them for things like this, where it's like, hey, we're about two months out from your trip. Anything can happen. So I will stay on top of everything in terms of travel restrictions, but just keep in mind that your trip could have some minor changes. Or major changes. Or major changes. (laughs) (laughs) I think um, something that I've been expressing to people that are like, you know, Portugal or wherever is open. I want to go right now. Okay, we can do that. We can set all of this up, but you need to be prepared for the possibility that this travel could cause a spike and then they could shut back. That Like you need to really be ready to roll with the punches mm-hmm. if something should happen. And of course with airlines offering you no know, change fees and things, I mean, still the prices are skyrocketing and you have to pay the fare difference, but it does allow people to take a few more risks. And as long as they understand the risks and they're willing to go for it, I say, let's do this thing. I mean, I love it, but they, it's the but, excitement. It's yeah. the excitement of planning, getting something in the books, and even if they change, even if they have to change it later on down the line, their initial excitement is something they're going to keep up until they actually get to go on the trip. So, um, one of the things I've been seeing 
some questions on in the Facebook groups and in chatting with TAs and clients is some of them want to do multi-country or multi-destination mm-hmm. trips. And that can get really tricky, um, especially since every country can implement travel restrictions that are different <laughs> than the other countries on your list at any time. So for example, you know, looking at another continent, like looking at Asia, I had someone say like, hey, I booked this hotel in Bali in September just because, you know, the pricing was so good. I don't know if I'll be able to go. I also want to do Singapore before then. And I'm just like, listen, first of all, Asia is going to be really slow in opening up. And second of all, I really do not recommend that you tack on different Asian countries in one itinerary because they have been very, very cautious over there since COVID. So such a good point. And I recently had a very short Italy inquiry. And luckily, we ended up there just going to Rome. And it's plenty of time for just Rome. I wouldn't want to fly over there for six nights. But, (laughs) you know, if, if that's what somebody wants, that's what they want. But I think you're so right. If someone were to come to me and say, I want to do Spain and France or something like that, I would say you need to pick one. (laughs) Yeah. Trust me. I'm the expert. Just pick one. Um, It's too, that's too many variables right now. And again, it comes back to, is this a year? Like if you're only going to go to Europe once every five years or once every 10 years, is this year? Or do you go to Europe all the time and you don't care? You're ready to wing it. That's awesome. But a lot of people don't go to Europe maybe once in a lifetime, maybe once a decade. So even though it's exciting, they have to really think through, is this the time to drop mm-hmm. a bunch of money yeah. on a dicey <laughs> experience? <laughs> I a say yes. stressful experience. <laughs> but many of my clients, it isn't a good idea. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. I just lost track of my articles here. Oh. Okay, so there's another article from Travel Age West that I wanted to talk about if we want to move over to the subject of cruising, and it's called Industry Q&A, Charles Sylvia of CLIA, and I want to say it all, Cruise Lines International Associate Association. Jeez. Okay, so <laughs> it starts out as cruise travel steadily returns globally and gears up for a comeback in the U.S. We caught up with Charles Sylvia. Vice President of Industry and Trade Relations for CLIA. So the article talks a lot about the the recommendations that CLIA will be making. Um, He talks about the current outlook for cruising. I think it's interesting because obviously CLIA is a huge resource for those of us that sell a bunch of cruises. I recently changed the way I track my bookings and found that I sell a much higher percentage of cruises than I thought. I knew it was a lot, but it's like I could book them in my sleep. So it was more than I expected. So I am often looking to CLIA for guidance. And I know a lot of other advisors do as well. So they're asking him how he would describe the current outlook for cruise travel. And he's mentioned, which this is interesting with this whole thing with the court case in Florida, there's so many different angles on it. And one of them is whether or not the CDC has been unfairly targeting this one industry. And he mentions how there's been over half a million passengers sailing since last summer 
aboard CLIA Ocean Going memberships in Europe, South Pacific, parts of Asia, and now the UK. So even though it feels super new for us here, there, I'm in Mexico, you're in the US, um, it's actually been going. I mean, obviously not at the levels from before, but over half a million people have sailed and we haven't had any major tragedies. And I was glad to be reminded of that because I feel so nervous about the ships leaving from Florida and Texas because it's like, if there's one outbreak, it could just destroy everything. Um, so I felt some comfort in reading that statistic. Um, they were asking him from his perspective, how are things progressing with the CDC and other U.S. international authorities? And he says the cruise industry and the CDC have a long history of collaboratively working together in the interest of health and safety. The pandemic was no exception, but everyone's working to return uh, operations as rapidly as possible. And he says they're thrilled to say that the cruise industry is on track to begin sailing once again out of U.S. ports by July with the first revenue voyage scheduled for June 26th. I have a client on that cruise on the Celebrity Edge and I'm just sitting on the edge of my seat with my fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so the other topic that I wanted to mention is it says, even though individual lines are crafting their own measures as they move forward, is CLIA planning to update its core elements of health protocols based on the latest CDC guidance for cruising? And he says that in last December, CLIA ocean going member lines agreed to adopt a comprehensive and stringent member policy for the mitigation of COVID-19 informed by the insights and guidance uh, of leading experts in health and science. So they said the policy applies to all CLIA ocean going cruise lines. Um, the enhanced protocols include extensive prevention measures and importantly, robust response and mitigation procedures to respond, care for, and contain any potential instance of COVID-19 that may occur. So their members are not required. These are their recommendations. Each cruise line is going to have their own. I'm sure hopefully, we've talked about this before, uh, we will start to see some settling and some standardization of these rules because this whole, is it is it gonna be a vaccinated sailing? Is it not gonna be a vaccinated sailing? Well, we're requiring vaccinations when we sail from here, but we're not requiring vaccinations when we sail from there. <laughs> or how about uh, unvaccinated passengers have to pay an extra fee or cannot do certain activities? Yeah. It's just confusing for everyone. So something standardized would be great. Yes. So, um, it is an interesting article. Like I said, CLIA is a very reputable resource for us. And I enjoyed reading about how they'll be handling things. And like I said, that one statistic was very comforting to me. So that'll be linked in the notes if you want to take a look. Do we want to take a break and go into some excess baggage? Sure. Let's do that. All right, it's time for Excess Baggage, which is a speed round of headlines that are pretty self-explanatory, so you can learn a lot in just a couple of minutes. According to Travel Weekly, Celebrity Cruises updated its vaccine policy, speak of the devil, so the line will be able to maintain a 95% threshold of fully vaccinated passengers and not run afoul of Florida's law that prohibits businesses from asking for proof of vaccination. For cruises from Florida, Celebrity now recommends that anyone 16 years and older be vaccinated, and while the cruise line cannot require proof of vaccination to sail, 
guests who decline or are unable to show proof of vaccination at boarding will be treated as unvaccinated and subject to additional protocols, restrictions, and costs for COVID-19 testing. Another article from Travel Weekly says that airlines and airline unions have asked the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland to begin criminally prosecuting the most egregious cases of passengers' unruly behavior. Travel Agent Central reports that the U.S. hotel industry recorded its highest monthly perform, geez, performance level since before the beginning of the pandemic, according to a May 2021 data from STR. Another one from them says that just over half of Americans, 52%, plan to travel this 4th of July, according to a recent survey by the Vacationer. 37% of respondents said they would travel primarily by car, 11% said by plane, and 4% said by public transportation. A headline from Insider Travel Report says, Windstar cancels two Star Breeze cruises so crew can complete vaccinations. This is after BBI officials ruled that the crew must be 100% vaccinated and declined to accept the ship. Another headline from them reads, Asta praises big win for cruising after Florida judge blocks CDC conditional sale order. Asta is reacting to the ruling last week by a federal court judge in Tampa that would stop the CDC from enforcing its conditional sale order as of July 18th. According to Travel Pulse, Palace Resorts Cancun properties are now offering a new add-on golf package that gives avid golfers the incredible opportunity to enjoy daily play on two world-class courses in paradise as a part of their all-inclusive luxury experience. They also report that Globus is bringing travelers back to the land of fiestas and flamenco, Spain and Portugal just reopened for travelers, and the Globus family of brands has new opportunities for travelers in both countries, offering new choice touring vacations, new small group discovery tours, and off-season escapes. And last, good news from afar, Switzerland will welcome vaccinated Americans starting June 28th. And that's it for Excess Baggage. While Corrine catches her breath, just a reminder that all articles mentioned during our episode can be found in the show notes. All right, our next one is a bit more of like a Q&A kind of article. Um, it's in Travel Weekly and their resident travel lawyer, Mark Pestrock, he usually does like a a segment where a TA can write in a question and he'll answer. So in this particular one, it talks about how booking via OTAs or online travel agencies deprives clients of legal rights. So the question specifically is now that the pace of air travel is picking up, some home-based travel advisors appear to be making airline reservations via the major OTAs public websites. Also, some corporate travel decision makers are apparently allowing corporate travelers to book using any online agency now that new technology has enabled the corporation or the travel management company of record to consolidate these so-called open bookings into travel management reports. I know that you have advised that use of public websites to book travel presents major legal risks for travelers. Have there been any court precedents that support your view? So this is such an interesting um, situation because his answer basically states that if you book through an OTA like Expedia, for example, a lot of your rights might be waived because of the contract Expedia has with different airlines, hotels, mm -hmm. and they're mostly like anti-consumer. Like they are favoring 
the airlines, they are favoring the hotels. And if you try to take them to court, Expedia can easily say, hey, the contract that you agreed to when you booked this says that you will not take whatever business you book with or um, whatever airline or hotel um, to court if you have any issues. And Expedia is just an example of an OTA. It's just like the most recognized one. So, you know, that that brings up the issue of I'm always about like, how can I protect myself? How can I protect Mm -hmm. my clients? And, you know, booking with an OTA could present a huge challenge to that. I feel like, especially at a time like this, we want to be working with trusted suppliers that we have a relationship with, that have very clear terms and conditions, that, that have relationships themselves with airlines and hotels and can sort of throw their weight around when need be on our client's behalf. There's more advocacy when we Mm -hmm. use one of our trusted suppliers. So I'm sure everyone knows that we can book Expedia. They do work with advisors and that's the Expedia TAP program. And it's nice because we do have like a BDM that we can go to, but it's still, I mean, when you book with a, a site like that, you're really just saying, I care about nothing but price. I trust that nothing will go wrong. And if it does, I'm not going to recognize how screwed I am. You know what I mean? I'm only going to think about how I'm getting such a good deal and, and just going to throw the dice. Well, this is just not the time to throw the dice. That's for sure. Yeah. The um, one line from Expedia's terms and conditions that is quoted in this article, it's any and all claims will be resolved by binding arbitration rather than in court, Mm -hmm. except you may assert claims on an individual basis in small claims court if they qualify. This includes any claims you assert against us, our subsidiaries, travel suppliers, or any companies offering products or services through us, which are beneficiaries of this arbitration agreement. And nobody reads. They just Mm -hmm. click the box and they, they put their credit card in there for thousands of dollars this is actually uh, a great resource, especially if we can take that quote to educate our clients about the differences between working with us and our trusted suppliers, I'll say it again, uh, mm-hmm. or booking themselves online. It, this could be used for some good social media content. Yeah. Is all I'm like saying. A, did you know? Yeah. Did you know that you are, quote unquote, um, depriving yourself of legal rights? Mm hmm that you have no, no leg to stand on to go to court, you know, like it's just a tangled, tangled web of protection that is not protection for the Mm -hmm. consumer, (laughs) protecting everyone, but the consumer. (laughs) Anti-consumer. Yeah. Pulling another Elle Woods law school kind of thing (laughs) here. So, you know, I love Elle Woods. (laughs) Who doesn't, but the second movie was garbage and I get angry every time I run across it. Love the first one. Um, so another article, while I was on a roll of going over entry requirements, I'm not going to go over much in this one, but I just want to say, go click on the link in our show notes. It's another travel weekly article that says the latest entry requirements for traveling to the Caribbean. And it just lists out just like the Europe one, all of the different places and what the current requirements are and they're alphabetized. So, um, Just find the ones that you've been selling and double check yourself on the current requirements and you're going to feel good. And then you have to check constantly from here on out. (laughs) 
exactly. <laughs> I was just running, I was just scrolling through it and I saw Puerto Rico and I don't know if you're running into this, I don't know how many all inclusive vacation packages you do, but I'm everyone on our team at journeys and other TAs that I communicate with online are constantly getting inquiries. People want an all inclusive resort and they're picturing something that you would find in Cancun, but they want it in Puerto Rico or USVI because they think somehow not leaving the U S is going to make things easier which A, really isn't the case in the long run, and B, there isn't anything. Puerto Rico does not have all-inclusive resorts. St. Thomas um, has one, and it used to be okay, and but the they've not handled the pandemic well, which I think is a travesty because they could have really used this time to shine um, <laughs> with people wanting to stay in the U.S., uh, but the reviews are terrible. So it's just like this constant conversation. And I actually, and I just posted it today. If you follow me, Travel Biz Boss on Instagram, it's a link in my bio. If you go to my website, it's a free all-inclusive resort package qualifying form. So I, I revamped my form and then I just copied it into Google Docs so people can copy and paste if they want to recreate the form. I'm noticing an insane amount of questions on the TA Facebook groups that let us know that there are some very new, not, not as yet educated advisors out on the scene. And there's a lot of them. So I wanted to create it just for free. Like anybody who wants it can have it <laughs> um, to help them qualify their clients properly. But one of the things that I did was I actually made a list of bubbles to mark Mexico, Caribbean, Mexico, West Coast, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, St. Lucia, Aruba, Costa Rica. And I put a note in there that the three main areas for all inclusives are Mexico, Jamaica, and Dominican Republic. Um, and that's where you're going to get the most variety and the best value because there are so many. They are sprinkled elsewhere, but I'm trying to kind of get the client to understand all, you can't just get an all inclusive wherever you want. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, people are like, I want to go to Paris, all-inclusive resort, you know, like, <laughs> but they don't know. How would they know? Yeah. So I, I revamped the form in such a way to really get the client thinking about what are they picturing? What do they want? Things like, as for the ocean, do you want to swim in it, surf in it, or just see it, hear it, and smell it from the pool or a palapa, which is me, right? I don't want, I don't want to even mm -hmm. dip a toe no in the ocean. No water on me, please. But I want to see, you know. <laughs> So things like that to help people really um, narrow down. But the point of having a really good qualifying form or set of questions is to help guide the client to understand where things exist and where they don't. Because they, we just make assumptions that people should know things, but they don't. You know, we know because right. this is all we do. My point with the newer advisors is I hate, I always remember how everything took me forever when I started and I always had this embarrassing moment where I had to go back to the client and ask a question that I feel I should have asked in the first place. And I feel, you know, it just doesn't set a really professional tone. Um, so hopefully if you're newer or you want to revamp, I put that out there to help you. I wasn't planning on saying that, but <laughs> I just did it. And um, hopefully it can help you cut out some of the frustration and, wasted time that we're going through right now since 
everyone is asking for all inclusives. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have hit a wall in terms of my tolerance for mm-hmm. all inclusives for this summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding availability mm-hmm. within a certain budget range where pre-COVID would have been a great budget, but now it's like no. So I feel like I've hit a wall in terms of wanting to, <laughs> to even like take on any of the clients with all inclusive requests because it's just not going to be the same for them. Well, the good news is is that they're looking to us as professionals and we can just say, listen, supply is low, demand is sky high. Your budget isn't going to take you as far as it would have. Can can you come up any? Should we take that? You know, like we can just be frank about it and no one's going to question you because everyone understands the way the world is nuts. There's definitely people out there who have it in their head that now is a great time to travel on a tight budget because in their mind, no one else wants to travel. And so it's up to us to just educate them and be like, Ooh. <laughs> it's yeah, the for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you think. Yeah. But if you sell a lot of all inclusives, go check out or just resort packages in the Caribbean go check out that article because it has a blow by blow island by island. Yeah. And also check out uh, travel biz bosses, free qualification tool. So Take it. it's yours. Have yes. It. Use it. Karina is so tired of seeing your posts on those Facebook <laughs> groups, guys. This is why she did it. It's, she doesn't want to say that, but I know that's be true. <laughs> I'm not tired of it. I just know what it's like. And I, and I, it's all stored in my head. So all I had to do was just write it out. Plus I updated my own form in the process. Everybody wins. I just want to help people right now. Nobody has a, a moment to spare. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that can be helpful to you, please help yourself. Um, my last article is from Travel Age West and it's titled Recommendations for Safely Resuming In-Person Meetings and Events. And I wanted to bring this up because we have a few really great conferences, um, industry conferences coming up for the fall. And this is not a specific article to travel industry conferences, but it just got me really excited um, in anticipation to attend these conferences. Yes. Speaking of that, if you are going to the Las Vegas, what is wrong with my mouth today? If you're going, I swear I haven't been drinking. If you're going to the Las Vegas Travel Agent Forum, you will very likely see Teresa and I there representing the podcast. Um, I've already purchased the flight, so I will be there. Um, I'm also going to the ASTA Global Convention, as well as the Future Leaders Conference that is organized by Travel Age West. So those are pretty much back to back to back. Busy lady. Yes. It went from no travel to, yes, this fall we're going to a bunch of conferences. Um, My business travel and conference and meetings, they usually make up a large percentage of, you know, hotel revenue, travel revenue, whatever it is. They, it, it plays a huge role within the travel industry itself. And so in looking at how things are starting back up again in having these in person conferences, um, this article looks at, what it will take in order to make sure these conferences are organized in as safe and healthy way as possible. So I think for a lot of these companies, they might be afraid of, you know, liability um, in putting this on and having waivers in place. You know, it says that this area of travel has seen a disproportionate amount of harm that has been done through the pandemic. As we know, everyone just basically 
canceled everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it was once a powerful section of our travel and U.S. economy and a major economic driver of our total economy because so much happens due to business travel, restaurants, hotels. You know, if you're taking a tour, I mean... Touches a lot I, of lives. A lot of lives. So um, U.S. Travel has launched its Let's Meet Their initiative, which is a data-driven campaign that communicates the differences between professionally managed business travel and events and what most people consider, quote-unquote, large gatherings. So they're going to have to look at a patchwork of reopening protocols that are going on from state to state and city to city. And I think this is where our standardization of protocols can come into play as well. Mm-hmm. Imagine how difficult it is between, you know, cruise lines and then also between different hotels, cities, and states. Um, business leaders really don't know what to expect when they go to a destination. So they're trying to look at a consistent way of implementing these protocols. Um, and they're looking and awaiting clear guidance from the CDC. So we'll see when that happens. <laughs> It'll happen after all the conferences have happened. Um, some recommendations from the vice president of health promotion, who uh, is Dr. Bernadette Melnick. She's the university chief wealth wellness officer and dean of the College of Nursing at the Ohio State University. These recommendations include requiring masks for all unvaccinated people and encouraging but not requiring masks for vaccinated people at these large gatherings and conferences um, and meetings. Um, Fully vaccinated people do not need to physically distance from others except where required. If the event includes non-vaccinated attendees, recommendations include a six-feet social distancing policy coupled with mask use. If the meeting requires proof of vaccination, physical distancing is not required. Um, They should consider prepackaged meals with low-touch distribution, um, good ventilation systems, and also promoting individual healthy lifestyle behaviors that can boost the immune system's protection against infection. A little packet of emergency on every on every yeah. seat. Or or wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Washy like, washy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So hopefully with these, you know, this effort towards standardizing protocols for these large meetings, we can be able to have more of that. Absolutely. So Teresa, what is is something you're loving right now? So um, I recently invested in a bike desk, which is a stationary bike with a little area for like a laptop, a book. Love it. Um, and I feel like I should have purchased this last year because I, I, so on Friday I was on hold with a cruise line trying to get something fixed. And we all know how long hold times are not just holding to get to talk to somebody, but holding while they fix whatever issue is at hand. I was basically using my hands free, like headphones on my bike desk while playing my Nintendo switch. Cause I was like, I'm like, it's Friday. I can't multitask. That anymore is than a this. lot of things at once. Yeah. But the thing is like, I'm not even thinking about biking while I'm on the bike desk. It's just like constant motion and I'm waiting on hold. I have the papers in front of me with notes reminding me why I'm on papers. hold. <laughs> <laughs> it's helpful. It works for me. So I feel like I should have gotten this bike desk last year for all those times that we had to wait on hold because I would not have gotten the COVID-15. Like, yeah. 
And it's just so nice to be able to just have some kind of activity while you're doing something that doesn't take a lot of effort or whatever it is that you're doing. Well, the important thing is that you started now. There's still plenty of hold time to be had, unfortunately, but you can use it to yeah. get buns of steel. Yep, exactly. And uh, now when I you know, work on certain projects, I'm just like, can I do this on my bike? If the answer is yes, I just bring my laptop over and I do a little bit of work and you know, just keep biking. And it makes me feel like I'm actually doing something. That's <laughs> awesome. Just I love sitting it. Sitting at my desk. What about you? What are you loving right now? I am loving scouring YouTube videos to find people who are traveling right now and get an idea of what it looks like. So there's people on cruise ships right now that are like, there's this one great couple that went out of the out on the adventure of the seas from NASA and they they have like blow by blow. Uh, there's a couple that I love that is in Iceland right now. It is such a great way to actually see with your eyeballs how things look, the types of activities they're doing. Most of them are focusing on exactly the procedure for arrival and testing. Like they, there are so many people out there that are traveling and putting every detail on YouTube. So I keep getting stuck in rabbit holes, just like one thing leads to another leads to another, but I just feel so much better. I'm a visual learner as it is to actually see people traveling and see what it looks like feel such such a like I have a better understanding in order to help my clients understand. I don't tell my clients to go look at YouTube because right. that's a rabbit hole I don't want them to. But I like to use it as an, a very important tool in my business. I posted about it the other day too. I mean, anytime someone asks about a resort or I'm going to present a resort as an option that I haven't been to, YouTube. A ship I haven't seen, YouTube. A destination, YouTube. <laughs> like there's tons of travel influencers out there and they are, they are posting very detailed accounts of things, sometimes too detailed. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah. But it's, re it's really helpful to have a tool like that. And I, and I know so many people call it the university of YouTube. For That's a what I call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's so much information on there. I um, not sewed a shirt for myself from YouTube videos. Like you can learn anything. You could learn how to change your carburetor. That goes in a car, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's in the name, I think, right? A carburetor. Yeah. I learned how to fix so many things on myself on my car from YouTube. Yes. And it's like, how did people function before YouTube? Learning how to like, how do you, I don't know, repot a plant, mm -hmm. like a specific oh, plant. Yes. Like, how do you do this and this and this? Guys, it's all on YouTube. And it's free. YouTube has inspired many a Home Depot trip. And even once here in Mexico, because I was watching um, some succulent care methods and I was like, we got to Uber to Home Depot. Now I need some things. <laughs> 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 and I repotted my succulents. Um, so what about a destination that's been on your mind? Um, once again, I am thinking about Japan. Um, it is challenging for me to think about how we don't even know what's going to happen with Japan and when things are going to open up for tourism because Olympics are happening this summer. I think mm -hmm. everyone's holding their breath to see what happens in Japan. Um, but also the, 
Japanese Tourism Board is doing these virtual tours of different areas of Japan, like not your typical big city things, but things that are a bit more off the beaten path. And so they're doing virtual tours and they're actually there live doing the tours. It's like a live feed. And so the most recent one I did, they um, part of the tour was they took you to these tea farms and tea plantations mm. in a place called Shizuoka, which is basically like right where you can access Mount Fuji. So these tea farms are like there. You have rolling, um, you know, tea plants and you see Mount Fuji in the distance. And then they teach you um, how to make matcha and the, the gentleman who was hosting that particular place, um, he was chatting to one of the tea farmers who happens to be a younger generation. Like, I feel like he's a millennial. They were saying how millennials and young folks are moving from the city into the country and doing things like this and modernizing the tea culture in Japan and making it more relevant to today. And he was showing you the process of making matcha and making this really cool matcha drink. It was just so fascinating. I was on my bike desk during this virtual tour. Is that something you can link in the show notes? Um, I think so. I will go ahead and do that. I'll find the link. They have one every other every other week. Oh, and so I think it's, it's not a recording. It's. They, I think they also have a recording um, after the fact, but it's fun to just like be there live. I'm pretty sure. But I want to see that are. one. So, okay, <laughs> but I would love to know about it, and I'm sure there's other ones. <laughs> That's yeah, no, so it, magical. It, it is. It was way more than what I was expecting from a virtual tour. So awesome. Well, that doesn't surprise me. If, if, if anyone's going to elevate it, it's going to be Japan. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, due to my YouTube rabbit hole, uh, I have been thinking a lot about Iceland because there is a YouTube couple that I followed for a long time. And I've actually mentioned them before because they sell backpacks and packing cubes and I have everything and it's all fantastic. They're called Tripped. I think the station's called Tim and Finn, but their company is Trip Travel Gear, which is on Amazon. Uh, but they are, they were in Iceland. They're back now, but now they're posting all of their videos and it's showing exactly what they're doing, what they're seeing. They went through the process to get there and the flights and everything. So I am in. I mean, I've wanted to go to Iceland for a long time. And in 2019, I thought I was going to but a different opportunity popped up. And so Iceland got scratched. Uh, I want to go in the summer when it's like an alien landscape for sure. So yeah, YouTube's got me really traveling the world through people's <laughs> eyes. <laughs> well, thanks for sticking with us until the end. We hope this episode has been informative and hopefully a little bit entertaining. <laughs> All the articles we've referenced today can be found in the show notes. I don't know about you, but I can't wait to go and delete those travel news emails I've been hoarding for the past month. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and or share the show. Also, head on over to our Facebook and Instagram pages, which are both under the Tin Lounge. We'll link them in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments or just want to say hello, please shoot us a DM or email us at hello at the Thanks again for joining us in the Tin Lounge, where you can learn a lot in a short amount of time. See you soon. Bye.